0: It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow and feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Hello team and welcome back to Simply Fit Podcast. In the latest episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sam Stojkovic. Sam is a weight loss and lifestyle management coach and co-founder of Collective Performance. At the time that Sam and I spoke, she was deep into her second trimester with her second child. Knowing Sam personally, I was fascinated to get her take on how she navigates her health and wellness before, during, and after pregnancy. For anyone who's considering having children in the near or distant future, this will be such a valuable lesson for you. In this conversation, you can expect to learn the type of training and nutrition style that Sam uses throughout all stages of her pregnancy, how to navigate the changes your body will inevitably go through, and what approach Sam will be taking when it comes to educating her children on health and fitness. So Without further ado, Sam Stojkovic. Sam Stojkovic, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I am very well. I am excited to have this conversation. We've had a bit of a chat before coming on air, so I feel like we need to now bring it to the recording so everyone else can hear all of this wisdom and all of this backstory that I've not heard before. So to dive in, can you explain to the listeners who you are and what it is that you do?
1: Yeah. So I am a nutrition coach. My partner and I, who you've spoken to, I think twice on your on your podcast before. It has
0: been twice, yeah,
1: because he loves the camera. We started collective <laughs> performance. It'll be a year ago, April. Really in hopes to kind of like change that narrative. We realized when we were looking at the health and fitness industry, there was never a full circle approach. So him being a personal trainer and me being a nutrition coach, we really wanted to blend the two practices together and give people just like that rounded approach and a lot of education. And so collective performance was born and we've been kind of trucking at it ever since.
0: And where did your personal health and fitness journey begin? Where did that all stem from?
1: You know, I was thinking about that the other day and I like I said to Ed, I'm like, I have always been food obsessed my whole life. Like I love, I love food. I have like a European background. We always had really big dinners every Sunday, like pasta, meat, like everything you can imagine was always on the table. But I think the healthy part always stemmed from the fact that I had really bad gut health issues for like 15 years. Saw everyone under the sun. Nobody Mm. could help me. And every time I went to, you know, the medical practice or the medical industry, I was always kind of given pills or antibiotics and it just wasn't helping and I didn't want to do it anymore. So I went to school to try and fix it myself. And that's when I learned about food and just how important it is to fuel your body with really good nutrient-dense foods. And that's pretty much where it was born. But food has been a part of my life, honestly, since I was about five years old. I've been baking with my mom since I was five. So... I just, I love food.
0: What is your background? You mentioned a European background. Where is it?
1: Yeah. So, well, my mother is, she's like a Heinz 57. I don't know if you've ever heard that thing before. She's got like everything in her. She's got like. (laughs) <laughs> she's got everything. She's got a bit of Spanish in her. She's got she's Canadian. She's got Irish. She's got English in her. But my dad's side, he is from former Yugoslavia, so Serbian.
0: Okay, and that's oh, the that's side amazing. that I
1: definitely take from. I'm the only blonde hair, blue eyed in my family. Everyone has brown hair, brown eyes. So I was the odd one out.
0: I think the mix is the best. I really do. I'm so grateful for the fact that I have a bit of a mix as well. And I think when you have that and you can pick from different cultures, I think it's beautiful. And also when you start to travel as well, you can pick it up. And when yeah. I see Europeans like go out for dinner, I'm just like, Oh, we miss this out so much in the UK. Like they, you know, these big family dinners they have, they, yeah. you know, they start at like 8 PM and it goes on until midnight. I think there's so much beauty in that. So so oh take yeah. that, Yeah. To take that into your family life is, is definitely something I want to do when I have a family one day as well. I think it's beautiful with other cultures and the way that they do that. And then of course you then went down that route and how long did it take until you got your gut issues into a good place?
1: After school, probably about another three years. So I did have to hire a little bit of holistic help on top of it. Um, There's only so much you can do with nutrition. So I ended up hiring somebody who was also a gut health expert, but he was more holistic based in Australia. But it took about three years, but I learned a lot about food in that time and also supplementation, which is kind of what he put me on. But just learning about food and again, like what it does physically speaking to your body, especially if you have IBS issues, which again, IBS is just like an umbrella for a plethora of symptoms and again we yeah. don't really know the cause i mean sometimes they say it's SIBO or most of the time it's something like that but yeah i'd say it probably took about three years and again right now it's not necessarily cured it's just really about managing the symptoms and knowing yeah. what i can and can't eat and how much stress affects my gut and everything so it took a little bit
0: yeah and what were like i know this is going to be very individual basis so i don't want people to take this as what they should do but what were the few things that fundamentally worked for you and got you on the right route on that front?
1: Oh God, food wise, I had to take out a lot. So I'm one of, I'm, I have a, like a very long laundry list of things that I can only eat very little of. So we're talking mm-hmm. garlic, onion, which is pretty much an absolutely everything. So you have to read labels, ketchup has it, mustard has it, like you name it, garlic and onion is in everything. And I love it. Like I love garlic and onion. So for me, I had to remove that. A lot of like no beans. There's no beans in this household ever. Kitty beans, beans, chickpeas, lentils, you name it. I cannot, I can't. Ed won't even let me eat it. (laughs) So we don't buy it. I can have an apple maybe once a week, but I couldn't have an apple every single day. So... It's a a lot of things. It was definitely removing the food. Managing my stress is a really big one. When I have, unfortunately, the luxury to manage it, sometimes it does get out of hand a little bit. But just knowing that like stress, stress management is huge. The foods I'm consuming is huge. um, Mm -hmm. And exercise always helps too.
0: Yeah, that's no, I, I can massively relate to that. I remember there was one time where I was prepping for a photo shoot in 2019. And basically, my food was basically the same every day. I'm very similar and robotic in that sense. And there was one night that I was, dinner was made for me. And there was, it was like exactly the same as what I would have on the plate, but there was garlic in the spinach and I was like immensely bloated. And I was like, what's going on? I was like, I've literally just eaten this meal for like the last three weeks. And then I connected the dots. I was like, I've literally been eating garlic for like the entirety of my life until this point. And that's what I think is important to mention here is that people will expect it to be something like, oh, it must be the obvious thing, like the wheat, the dairy, but it can be those smaller things. And I, yeah, yeah I blow up after garlic and same again, like I can only have small amounts of certain food and stress because yeah. exacerbates it massively. If I'm stressed, oh the God, first yeah. thing that goes, is my digestive system, it doesn't even matter what food it is. It's like yeah. any food that you consume, it's almost like your digestive system downregulates like 60%.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And when you have a little, like I have a little bit of anxiety, so that doesn't help. So managing that, and I managed that through hypnosis when I was in my early twenties, that's who I ended up going to see. And it helped so much mentally too, but physically as well. So those are kind of my tools.
0: My next question was actually on the role that nutrition played in your mental health. So what would you say that nutrition plate specifically and what other things did you do to help with your anxiety and i guess it's still a case with mental health challenges they're usually a case of management not getting rid of so i can imagine you're still doing those things to this day right
1: for me you know that thing like you are what you eat i've always said you feel what you eat So for me, Mm. eating very nutrient-dense foods and foods that are going to give me the energy or balance my blood sugar levels, that's really important to me. And that's why I pay so much conscious attention and effort onto what it is that I'm eating. Hypnosis was probably one of the coolest tools I ever learned. It's very different from meditation. That took me about a year to master. And that was probably practicing hypnosis three times a day, every single day. It's very hard to quiet your mind if you're not used to quieting your mind. So practice, practice, practice. And that because trying to get my anxiety under wraps was really important in my early 20s. I put it as a primary focus. It was a non-negotiable at that point because I couldn't keep waking up with having panic attacks. So hypnosis was just something that my mom actually, <laughs> she's the one who found it. I remember she's like, we need to fix this. I don't think a psychologist is going to help. And she's in the medical industry herself. She's a nurse. So she found him and I had been seeing him for, God, 12 years. And every now and then, probably twice a year, I still go back just to kind of have like a tune-up fresh up to really help balance that so for me hypnosis really helped with mental health fueling my bodies with food that make me feel good so i don't wake up feeling lethargic i don't have brain fog help and also nature so yes i live in a city that rains 10 months out of the year but you get really good at walking in the rain so i i go and i try and connect with nature as much as possible and i literally live in the mountains so it's pretty easy over here
0: i love that and just for someone who's a little bit naive to this is hypnotherapy the same as hypnosis Yes. Okay. Amazing. Well, that's funnily enough, exactly what I did as well. Like um, really? my, first ex- yeah, my first exposure to helping mental health challenges was hypnotherapy. It was back in 2017, I think it was. And I had, yeah, yeah I basically had two hypnotherapy sessions within the space of like a month or two, and I've had, I think, two more since. And I tell people it was life changing for me. So I can wow, 100% okay. relay. I haven't been maintaining it long term, like you have. So I'm interested about why you keep it in now. Because I almost found because of obviously you've got these hypnosis tapes afterwards, if that's correct. Yeah, if doing yeah the same they sent them yeah. to me. Yeah. And they were all very specific around certain things that I was managing at the time. But then once I was yeah. hoping that I was beyond that. So do you go in with potentially like the fresh things that you're dealing with? They They create new hypnosis tapes for what you're currently handling in your life?
1: No, because, I mean, I'm sure he would, but for me, I mean, my anxiety is typically around the same thing. So I have the old tape, so you're going to laugh. I love travel. I'm a travel bug, but I hate flying. So I get really, I had, yeah, I had a really bad, I used to have really bad panic attacks on the plane when I was a kid. And it's not that like, oh, you're going to die on the plane. It's a very claustrophobic thing. So flying was one of them. And then the other one's just like that, like life purpose What is life? What happens after life? Anxiety. existential.
0: Yeah, the existential stuff. Yeah, it's the big stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can't think about it. (laughs) Yet I'm so fascinated by the universe. Like I literally, on my like Apple's news, it's just like what's happening in Mars? Where are all these black holes coming from? But just trying to like wrap my head around, okay, well, we wake up, we do the same thing every day. What is my purpose? That was where my other anxiety came from. So that's kind of where... I tend to focus most of it on. So whatever I'm feeling at the time, if I have to go and fly, I'll listen to flying hypnosis. But if I'm having like life anxiety, I just kind of listen to that one.
0: Wow. I love that. And I mean, I think the most part that people, so it's, I think people fall into two categories. They either think about it enough and then they get this like feelings of existential angst, like you and I potentially yeah. would, or it's usually suppressed and it comes out in other areas. I think it, people can't escape it. It's either we just don't realize it or we do. And I think fundamentally, if you don't have that direction, or if you even if you do have that direction, you're like, Am I doing the right thing? Because if there's yeah. an infinite amount of opportunities, but we've literally got one chance to do one thing. But I don't want to say it because it just feels like it's building anxiety. <laughs> <talking> <laughs> about it. It's it's something I uh, like. I think about all the time, and it's wild. But coming back onto the mental health side of things, have you done any different other types of therapy? Because I'm doing CBT at the moment, which I find to be really helpful actually and I wonder if you've ever explored any other routes
1: no so even though it's the it's like it's a very natural thing I don't like taking drugs or anything because it makes me feel out of control and I don't like Mm. feeling out of control of my thoughts or my body so that is also where anxiety would stem from so if I ever have too much to drink obviously pre-pregnancy, I had to really wash my limits with alcohol because it would give me really, really bad anxiety the next day. So for me, no, I've never never taken a prescription for it. I've never even done like holistic things. Like I won't even take melatonin because again, Mm. I'm not in control of what's happening. So mine is like, I'm a very, and Edward's here, he'd be laughing, like I love control. So to take any of that- (laughs) We
0: are are long lost uh, brothers, aren't we?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I always joke that I'm like, he's my long lost brother. He's my brother. From my <laughs> mother. I mean, though, we've never physically met, but no, I haven't tried that. Those are pretty much the only things I've tried journaling. I did that for about a year and that helped a little bit. Affirmations always help. I did do a lot of reading though. On like the power of thought. your thoughts basically create your experience. So I did a lot of work with my hypnotherapist on really yeah. controlling how much I like fuel those thoughts and really just, stopping that negative thought in its track and then refocusing it on something more positive or constructive, which takes a lot of work because that thought will come around every five seconds. So like I would picture a stop sign and be like, nope, not today. And then try and refocus my thoughts to something else. So a lot of my work was really with hypnosis for a long time. But like like you said, like you fall out of practice sometimes because life gets busy. But if my anxiety ever gets to the point where like it's noticeably strong, I always have my, like my toolkit to revert back to.
0: Yeah. Amazing. That's a really, really good perspective to have. And did you, I'm just going to double check that you heard me correctly. I said CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy, not CBD. Oh, I
1: thought you said CBD oil. No. I thought that's what you're referring to. I was like, no, I don't take it. No, <laughs> I haven't tried that, but I, I'm curious to know what it's like.
0: We'll have a discussion. Maybe that'll be round two in the future or just a conversation (laughs) off I want to make a transition now because you mentioned obviously alcohol and pre pregnancy, and that's going to be the main topic of today. So you skipped that part of your journey when I asked you. So, do you want to go through how life changed? (sighs) from my health and fitness perspective, upon having your first child and where you currently are today?
1: So my first child, he's two now. So two years ago, when I found out I was pregnant for the second time, to be quite honest, that was probably the healthiest, fittest time of my life was during that first pregnancy. I remember you asked me before, was like, oh, is there anything you wish you knew, I think, prior to your first pregnancy? And to be honest, is. No, like when I found out I was pregnant, I was just like in this beautiful honeymoon stage. And everything was about how do I make sure like I'm fueling myself perfectly and I'm taking care of my baby. And again, both physically and mentally, what are the things that I need to do? So I was so conscious about that during my entire pregnancy. And for me, exercise is especially during pregnancy is really about trying to minimize any types of risk, especially risks that I would need to go to the hospital for or have my doctor. So Exercise plays a huge role in pregnancy when it comes to like the health of you and the health of your baby. So that was a big driver for me was I want a healthy pregnancy and I want to minimize any types of those risks. And also it was just like, it was something still to do for me. Like I was about to become a mom pregnant. My world was changing and I never had this sense of, and I know some mothers do like this. I'm losing my identity. I never, I was, I'm lucky to have never struggled with that. But for me, it just was like, it's me time right? So it's like a time I don't have to be a mom or like not a mom yet, I guess at that point, but like a wife, even though we're not technically married, a sister, a friend, a business owner, it was just this me time where I could escape and not have to do anything. So exercise pre-pregnancy was like, I was working out five days a week. I was doing spin like four days a week up until three days, three days or two days before my delivery.
0: No way. I had a good
1: (laughs) knock on wood. I had a really good first pregnancy and I was eating really well. Like I didn't, Again, lucky I didn't have a ton of cravings, just the virgins. So I didn't have like a really big sugar craving. I didn't have, I wasn't overeating. I wasn't undereating. I was eating just what felt really perfect. Like I loved being pregnant. It was great. I just, I had a really great first pregnancy and just keeping all of that in mind, like how to fuel your body to make sure I'm giving even my baby, like enough nutrients and protein for brain development. Like that was all really important to me.
0: And do you attribute a lot of that healthy pregnancy to the, all the work you did prior to being pregnant?
1: Yes. And again, having that knowledge base, right? So I went to school for nutrition and so just kind of knowing what to do there and then that helped a lot.
0: Mm, and then so you mentioned- it
1: never felt like a chore.
0: Yeah, yeah no, just I it can imagine. Like a chore. And what you mentioned just then is that you obviously made sure that your baby had enough nutrients as well. And there are a lot of myths around how much you're supposed to eat when you are pregnant, right? In terms of you're eating for two now and everyone gets this idea that they're eating for not a baby, but a child that's 12 years old and they have about 1500 (laughs) extra calories. But I'm, I'm intrigued to get your take. So what did that look like in terms of the extra? Did you include any extra certain foods that maybe had extra antioxidants and stuff like that into health? With the development,
1: I definitely made sure protein was a big one, especially in your second and your third trimester. That's really, really key to your baby's brain development, and you want to have enough protein into your diet. So, protein was a big one. I mean, anyone who's pregnant out there who's been pregnant will know. Like, I didn't have a great first trimester, so when you first become pregnant, it's very hard to consume really nutrient dense food. I think I lived off of like crackers and butter for three months. Like, I couldn't keep anything down. I, I was really, really sick every day. Same one with this pregnancy too. They're almost identical. But when I hit that second trimester and that point where my energy was coming back and my appetite was coming back, I just really focused on, yeah, like a lot of berries. I've had a lot of antioxidants in it, a ton of protein, really good complex carbohydrate. Was my diet perfect? No, I still obviously would like indulge from time to time in like high sugary processed foods. But again, there was that balance of, I still want to wake up feeling energized and really good. I don't want brain fog. I don't want to feel lethargic. So I'm going to mm. eat the foods that make me feel that way.
0: Yeah. And so on the note of the protein, I have a lot of people I've worked with in the past who they just go off it, you know, like anything protein based, like the meats, the dairy, they're just like, I can't stomach it right now. What protein sources were you going towards? And what advice would you have for people who have maybe can't stomach protein like they used to?
1: So I really wanted like red meat. I was craving like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same with this one. I crave like iron rich protein. It is a tough one. And we've, I've been working with a client from the beginning of her pregnancy and she's about to deliver in the next two days, um, how to really feel for herself. And Protein was a struggle for her at the beginning. So one, it's just trying to find the types that you can't stomach. So sometimes you'll be turned off eggs. And Don't try and force it. Can you have a bit of tofu, like scrambled tofu? Protein powders are also a really good source if you just can't stomach like the texture of protein mm. during your pregnancy. Is just have a shake because then you can put like a banana in it. You can put your protein powder in it. It's just an easy way to kind of bump it up. It's not to force yourself to eat the foods that you just physically can't stomach, but you do need to be conscious about where you can fit it in and when you're feeling the best. So even in the first trimester, when I could only have crackers and butter and pasta (laughs) with nothing on it, in the small moments where I wasn't feeling sick, I would have protein to make sure I at least got it in there at some point in time. And then, like I said, second and third trimester was just like red meat all the time same with this one. <laughs> I just want like steak.
0: <laughs> I can imagine that's super good for a baby's development as well. I know people, so many people are anti-red meat, but the amount of uh, good quality protein and nutrients you're going to get for that, it's going to be unbelievable. So the real question, how many extra calories were you consuming or outside of your Honestly, first trimester?
1: Outside of my first trimester, maybe two to 300 max. It, mm. It's not, and again, like Having this under my, my education, and again, I'm not what I'm saying isn't um, the God's only truth, but it's you don't need to be eating double. That's, that is, in my practice, a myth. You shouldn't be eating 3,000 calories a day. You know, if you're normally eating 1,500, you don't need to double that. You still need to maintain a healthy pregnancy weight. So, two to 300 is really that recommended range that I would give to any client who's pregnant. Same thing with me. So, it really means like maybe a bagel, like half a bagel with cream cheese extra kind of thing like it's not it's not as much more and even with the I don't know if this is relevant but with the client that I was working with this past nine months the reason why we worked together was because her OB instructed her that she cannot gain any weight because she was borderline obese now if you were to look at her you Mm -hmm. wouldn't think that but she was on the cusp so she was only quote unquote allowed to gain just baby weight so like your blood flow the placenta the baby weight itself so we had to be really really strict with her nutrition but still in a range that was healthy for her and her baby so she was eating somewhere around i think i gave her around 1800 calories for the majority of her pregnancy and again making sure she was moving as much and fueling her body with the things that are really going to help her her baby's development
0: Mm, and i guess it's so individual basis but also at the same time 1800 calories of really high quality food compared to 1800 calories of just whatever it is it's massively different, even for the clients that we work with who, who are men or not pregnant, as a matter of fact, yep. just by that replacement, like you can get someone and have them, again, this is a very extreme example, but you could have them having a thousand calories less but they could get way more nutrients from just having a 1500 calorie diet versus a 2,500, for example, as long as Absolutely. the right foods are there.
1: And the food volume too, can be a lot bigger. Like, I don't know about you, mm. like even pregnancy aside for the first two weeks are many clients that we sign on, they're like, this is too much food. Like I can't stomach it because we're not out used of to 10
0: clients. Yeah, <laughs> literally.
1: I can't get my steps in or this is too much weirder. The, first, uh, the two biggest ones, but it's like, <laughs> we're not used to eating properly balanced foods. We're used to eating foods that don't keep us feeling full. And we don't fill our plates with vegetables anymore. So the food volume, like Ask Ed, potatoes are huge in our household. Like we love them. Mm. You'd be surprised how many potatoes you can get onto your plate.
0: Obviously, you create very wonderful looking Instagrammable food. (laughs) And it's always uh, impressive to me to see the creations that you come up with. How have you kept your motivation? I know that you love food, but if you have got any advice, but how have you kept your motivation to continue making these beautiful dishes when a lot of moms would just be like, I don't I have the time to cook for myself or barely eat myself. How are you managing to do that? And what advice would you have for maybe even just new moms, like not even whilst they're pregnant, but once they've had their first child and it seems to be consuming every hour of the day? Cause that is one thing I get from a lot of the new moms that I work with.
1: It's tough. I'm a mother of a toddler and I'm pregnant and I'm running a business. Time is very stretched. And I just, again, I make it a priority because it's important to me. It's important to me to fuel myself and now my family with foods that are going to help them thrive. And so it definitely doesn't look like a beautiful movie where I'm just in the kitchen, like great hair. (laughs) Half the time, Monty's throwing a temper tantrum beside me and I'm just trying to chop chicken and Ed's trying to take Helen to the bathroom. And it's just usually like, I don't know, seven times out of 10, it's just gay. In this house. <laughs> but I try and incorporate Monty into that as much as possible. I try and get mm. him interested in food now. So I get him to help. Like he has his own little cappuccino set. He's got his own little toaster. And so when I'm cooking, I try and like be like, oh, like you want to make me something. And I have like a kid-friendly knife to get him used to chopping. So the more I can incorporate him into this a the more interest he has in it and b it, it makes it a little bit easier for me to actually cook it but planning is always going to come down to it as well right so ed and i will always know at minimum what we're having for dinner the night before and one of us will make sure that the fridge is full of with that type of food. So we're never trying to figure out day of or hour of what we're having for dinner. It's always, we know, so we can be a little bit more prepared, even though it's literally utter chaos in this house all the time, because (laughs) any mom who has a two-year-old, he's in the temper tantrum stage right now. So like, if you put his drink in the wrong cup, you've got like 20 (laughs) minutes of a screaming baby on your hand. (laughs) Just make it work. Like I am exhausted all the time. i like, he still wakes up throughout the night, but it's just like food to me is so important in your overall health and well-being at the end of the day. Like this is what's going to paint a picture to your health in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And for me, my bigger why is always longevity. I want to be here as long as possible. I want to see my son grow up. So mm-hmm. I want to do as much as I can in my control. I know I don't have complete control over what happens to me, knock on wood, but food is a way that we can try and help control that a little bit. So... It's a priority, and it's also like even for new moms who are exhausted. Like those first three months, oh man, you feel like you're drunk the whole time. Like you're exhausted, <laughs> you're waking, <laughs> like you're. It is a blur, though. Like it's such a blur when I think back to Monty, but. I mean, hey, if it was so bad, we wouldn't have more. It's fun, but it's also just making really quick dishes. So like get an air fryer, do one Mm. pan meals, stick something into like a slow cooker, try and get like, I was saying to my client the other day, like get your husband, get your mom, get your friends. Like if they're asking how they can help, tell them to bring you food over, like make like pasta that you can freeze, like try and do as much prep work as possible and then have really quick go-to meals, like soup, stews like just something easy and quick that you can try and cook and put together.
0: That's amazing advice. I love that. And on the note of your training, you mentioned that you are spinning up until three days before you gave birth. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that seems pretty wild for even just me to hear that to be completely honest. So, I'm intrigued to hear about your training in the lead up and let's first go for the, yeah, let's go for the trimester. So how did you navigate training first during the first trimester? You said that was rough. Were you able to have the energy to train? Could you keep it up then?
1: <laughs> I, I even have memories of like trying to go to the gym and just doing, I remember I was trying to do box jumps and I just like, I gave up like probably a quarter way through and I was like, I can't do this. Like I was taking two naps a day. That's how exhausted I was in my first trimester. So for me, it wasn't about beating myself up and not going, you know, like making sure I made it to the gym five days a week. It was about picking the lowest hanging fruit. So again, nutrition, I could control a little bit because I couldn't keep much down, but walks, like I got outside every day, made sure Ed kind of held me accountable to it of like, Hey, if I can't work out today, like, let's just go for a family walk at the time with our dog and us. So I just tried to do what I could every day. So every day was very different. If I ever had a boost of energy, I would go to the gym. If I didn't, I would take a nap and then go for a walk like 20 minutes later. So you do what you can with how you're feeling in the moment.
0: I like that a lot. And it's just giving yourself that permission and that grace to not feel the need to push yourself if you're not feeling great. And I think that's. Really, really good advice. And then transitioning on to later down the line, obviously, if you had a rough first trimester, it might be hard for you to get back into the groove of training on a regular basis. How did you manage doing that into the second trimester?
1: You know, you kind of just, and I can't can't speak for other moms, but I've I've heard that this kind of brings true for the majority of us. There's something about your second trimester where you just wake up one day and you're like, I have energy, I can eat. (laughs) What? (laughs) What just happened? And so for me, it was finding something that didn't, like, you're right, Like my energy levels still weren't great. And so for me, spin was an easy way to transition into, which sounds hilarious because spin is quite aggressive. Form yeah. a side. But again, I can control how fast or how slow I go on that bike. Right? Sure. And so for me, that was a really easy way. I actually did spin before I went to the gym before I did any strength training. So spin was how I started. It was just an easier transition for me to be able to control. And then once the energy started to kind of increase, I then started transitioning to doing both. So spin and working out every day.
0: And for any of the mums who may be a little bit hesitant about training, because I remember working with a couple, it was some years ago now, and it wasn't a time in which I had a huge amount of experience with working with new mums. So she was like, it's our first pregnancy. We want to be really cautious. So I'm probably just going to hold off on the exercise for the time being. So what advice would you give to someone in that position? And what benefits do you gain from exercising throughout your pregnancy?
1: You know, it all depends. Like, In any pregnancy, like whether it's your first, second, or third, the idea isn't to start it by doing something you've never done before. So if somebody doesn't work out five days a week normally, for them to start doing that five days a week being first pregnant probably will be a bit too aggressive. So it's not about Mm -hmm. going crazy. It's about incorporating what you used to do and pushing yourself just a little bit at a time. The health benefits are huge. I mean, like it's going to help you with delivery, And it's also going to help you, like I said, it's going to minimize that risk of any pregnancy complications if you are being active, because it's really good for you. And then again, post-pregnancy, it helps your body bounce back that much faster. So I was back on the spin by maybe five or six weeks after post-baby. And again, like I did bounce back quite quickly because mm-hmm. I made sure that, again, I was exercising as, as much as I physically could when I was pregnant. So it'll help with all of that. It's going to minimize your risk for pregnancy complications. It's going to help with the birth. It's going to help post-pregnancy and it's going to help your body bounce back. And you want to feel like you can bounce back because you need that energy to take care of yourself and your, your newborn baby who's keeping you up.
0: Which yeah, brings me on to the next question, which I really want to get the answer to is how do you navigate the lack of sleep? That's probably, again, another huge challenge I face with a lot of new moms is that I will do the best that I can do to help them optimize the quality. But at the end of the day, the baby keeps the score. It dictates whether you sleep or not. So tell me how you're managing that. And is there any tips you can give people outside of just like getting through it? <laughs> you
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> Ask for help because that saying it takes the village, it's true. It really mm. takes a village. Like I leaned on Ed. I have Ed's been incredible. Thank God he's not here. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this or his <laughs> ego will explode. But <laughs> he is an incredibly supportive partner and father. Like he's the first person to be like, What do you need? I'll take Monty. He's a very hands-on dad. And I feel very fortunate to have that type of man in my life to be able to help it. But I leaned on my friends and I leaned on my my family, like my mom, I would ask her to come over to be like, I just need an hour's sleep. Like, can you please take Monty? And sometimes, and again, like we can tell moms, like if I were to tell a mom right now, like just sleep, sleep when the baby sleeps, it doesn't work that way. Because you can't force yourself to fall asleep. Your, your body sure. just is doing what it's doing and your mind is still all over the place. But even if you can go to bed and just close your eyes for 30 minutes, even if you don't fall asleep, it's better than nothing. But I would say like ask for support. It's huge. If you have the luxury to ask for support, I know that's not the case. It's for a lot of parents out there. And I applaud any single mother who's trying to do this on her own. I couldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. You just go into this fight or flight mode. You just do it. Like you're exhausted. You're trying to figure out how to navigate the three it's your first pregnancy. You have no idea what you're doing. You have a crying baby. You know, like you're panicking all the time like are they okay like you're just and still even now like I don't know what I'm doing half the time you're just doing the best that you can and what you think (laughs) is the right thing to be doing at the time but for me like just going out for walks like I Ed was really good at being like let's just go for a 20-minute walk get you out of the house. Cause it was really easy for me to be like, I'm too tired. And I was like, I was too exhausted. And he's like, just give yourself 20 minutes of fresh air. I guarantee you it'll make you feel better. And it gets the baby outside. So he really helped push me to go outside for 20 to 30 minutes a day, every single day, even on the days where I was not feeling it. And I'm mm. happy he did because again, getting outside and into nature and into fresh air is really going to help boost those endorphins.
0: Yeah. I love that advice. That's really, really great. And the next one, I want to go into is the transitions that your body made. I think that's a big one for a lot of mm-hmm. new moms. And it, it was something that I didn't really consider until I was digging a little bit deeper. And I thought obviously you do go through years and years. I know a lot of females they'll go through years and years, they're in the shape of their life. And then of course, and This is something I say as a man, but I don't feel like I have the full justification to be able to say it. I'm like, childbirth is beautiful. Like, the fact that you can do that with your body is like unbelievable. So, the fact that you might have a few more stretch marks is like, so what? You gave birth to a living human being. Like, that's something way more than a man could possibly think of doing, right? So, that's my perspective. Obviously, if I was a female and I was like, I worked so hard for my physique and now it doesn't look like what it used to, how did you navigate that transition? Because obviously, there's going to be weight gain where Most women and men for the majority of their life are looking for weight loss. And then there is just this transformation of your physique. And in some ways, it might never go back to what it looked like before. And as I mentioned, I don't think it's a bad thing, given the fact that you have something pretty tremendous to show for it. But at the same time, I know that that's going to be a harder challenge for some people to navigate than others. So I'm intrigued to get your take.
1: You know, so my first pregnancy, I kind of, I think I said it earlier, like I went into that just thinking about not... My physical body. I wasn't thinking about. I don't want to gain so much weight. Like, of course, that's a little bit in the back of your mind, but it's really about what can I do to make this a healthy pregnancy and to make myself feel better and make my baby thrive in the womb. And so, for me, I wasn't spinning five days a week or working out four or five days a week because I was trying to like make sure I was super fit at the end of the day. It was because it was helping the pregnancy, and I loved my body. The most confident I have ever felt in my life and in my body was when I was pregnant. I was so mm-hmm. happy. And having the drive of not, oh, I'm working out or I'm eating really good just because I need to lose some weight took the pressure off, and it made the enjoyment a little bit more. So it made me want to do it more. And I wasn't thinking about my like what I would physically look like after. It was just how do I make myself feel better during this pregnancy, and how do I help myself and my baby. And so when I delivered the baby, which yes, you know, it, it's painful. <laughs> <laughs> Pregnancy is painful. But again, <laughs> if it was so bad, we wouldn't do it again. Do you know what I mean? Like you forget totally. about it and you bounce back really quickly because it's, it's a temporary thing. And I went 14 hours without any drugs, which was intense. After Monty was born again, I just focused on that lowest hanging fruit of, okay, well, how do I eat really well to just even make myself feel a little bit better because I'm so tired. Because I focused on that, not necessarily what I would physically look like. It just kind of came with it. I lost 10 pounds the first year he was born. And my body did look a little bit different. I My hips felt a little bit wider, but I had a baby. Like, again, for me, perspective is everything. Like, I you choose how you see something. And I was so happy to have had a baby. I'd had a really awful miscarriage before that. So I felt really lucky to have just had this tiny human being and your world changes and perspective changes and things just aren't as important as they were when you were in your early twenties. Like, what do I look like? Of course. Yes. We all have a bit of vanity and I, I wanted to look my best, but it was more about feeling my best and being a really good mother So my perspective changed on what was really important. Like, yes, my health and my nutrition was important, but it wasn't necessarily about physically what I would look like. It was just more about feeling better. And I was a mother now, and that just, that made me more happy than anything. Kids give you perspective. I'll tell you that much.
0: I was going to say, it's a beautiful perspective to have. And I hope that the mothers who are listening right now who are maybe challenged finding a bit of a challenge to see the changes their body go through can kind of take a bit of that and run with it. Cause it's always the perspective I've had. I think it's pretty damn incredible. I mean, like if you've just gained weight and it was through not making the best choices, your nutrition or your fitness, then totally fine. But you have a human being. Like like I I heard this, uh, a skit from a comedian once and he was like, if just one person did it in the entire world, we would like pay money to go see that person. They would be like, the we would worship them but because every female for the most part i know a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to be able to give birth. but because of the majority of females can do it we overlook it but it's mind-blowing like it's literally like insane that you can create another human being and that i i know that this is me just pointing out the obvious but yeah doesn't it blow (laughs) your mind i feel like i'm saying something that everyone knows i'm just like this is Unbelievable, right?
1: I will look at Ed, even the second pregnancy, being like, "How am I built? Like, what's happening in here? Like, we're building a human being. Like, what is this? Like, this is nuts. Like, it still doesn't make sense to me. I'm in my second pregnancy. It's wild. Every mother's journey is going to be different, and everyone's perspective is going to be very different. So I can't speak for everyone, but maybe it goes back to what I did with all of that mindfulness work that I would do with my hypnotherapist Mm. of Perspective is everything. If you fuel your thoughts with things that are going to bring you down, you're going to experience that. So if you can kind of switch that and really work towards healthier, happier, more constructive thoughts, work on your affirmations and see your life in a different way, it changes the way in which you approach absolutely everything. Like your mind plays a huge role in your life. And so having Monty, it's like the small things don't matter anymore. Like they just don't. I, as somebody who was high anxiety, I had never been more relaxed in my pregnancy. i like, who mm. are you? I was just like, things are going to happen the way that they're going to happen Where everything's going to be fine. Meanwhile, he's like, I need to provide for my family. And then after when Monty was born again, like it sounds like so repetitive, but this kid just provides you with perspective that I didn't have before. And I feel lucky enough to, to have it now because I just mm. don't sweat the small stuff anymore.
0: Sam, do you feel the pressure to be the perfect mom? No. No?
1: No, I don't. Again, I feel lucky enough not to really care what other people think about me. When you become pregnant, and then when you have your baby, you will receive mountains of unsolicited advice. Like, how to parents, what you're doing is wrong. The amount of times people ask me, do you even give your son sugar? Like, he's going to have nutrition issues growing up. Like. You brush it off; it is what it is. But no, because at the end of the day, I feel comfort in knowing that I am not the only mother who doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> like, we don't. We're still. We're you try and figure it out every single day. So the only thing that matters to me is that I raise this good human being to do good things to this world. I mean, look at what we're living in now. Like it's important that I raise a good man and a good person who's going to be generous and provide and just give service that's what matters to me more
0: Mm, that's super interesting because I feel a lot of moms they get that unsolicited advice which you mentioned which is yeah massively (laughs) coming from all directions yeah exactly so I'm just wondering how you've been able to just just filter out so comfortably
1: I'm kind of laughing because I'll never forget my one of my sisters told me once a long time ago that one thing she admires about me is that am I allowed to swear on this podcast?
0: Of course.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm to make sure. I remember when we were like, I was in my early twenties, and she sat me down, and she's like, "What I love about you is that you just don't give a shit about what anyone thinks," and I don't. Sure, sometimes certain things will get to you. I'm, I'm still a human being and my feelings get hurt uh-huh. and my nickname is Sensitive Sam. But being sensitive doesn't necessarily mean that you're not strong. I'm just sensitive in very different areas. For me, again, it just comes down to whatever somebody is saying to me, it has typically nothing to do with me. At the end of the day, it's whatever they're going through. And that's what I try and see as like majority time as possible. But I just honestly focus on myself and my family. And I just drown out the noise. Because again... It's going to increase anxiety and it's just, it serves me in no way to invite that into my life. And again, perspective, I just don't, I don't sweat it anymore. I have a human being to care for, to raise, to hopefully be a good human being that I just don't screw up. Like that's all you're thinking is I just don't want to screw up, <laughs> but no, I find it most of the time relatively easy to just ignore it. And it mm. does take practice. You know what I should say? Of course it takes practice to just let it go, but I'd rather be calm than be right that's kind of what I'll say to myself every now and then was I choose, I think it was, a uh, in one of the hypnosis tapes he gave me was, Oh, I wish I could remember verbatim what it was saying, but it was something like I choose to be calm instead of having to be right. And that's what I'll tell myself. If something really bothers me, I don't need to prove. Yeah. I don't need to prove that I'm right. It's just, it's, it's I'm just calm. I'll smile. Mm. Cool. Cool. is usually what I'll say. <laughs>
0: I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. And you wear another hat, which is working mom. So how do you navigate giving enough time to Monty and how you'll give enough time to baby number two whilst maintaining running a business? It's not easy. And obviously it puts a lot of blush on you and I'm sure you want to be very present as a mom. So I'm intrigued to get your take on that. And it's funny, I'm saying mom, because I assume that you, you've referred to yourself as a mom, but you keep saying mom and mom is what I would say as well. So, <laughs> <we're> gonna... <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. My sister makes fun mom. of me for saying
1: mom. Yeah. I'll like full transparency. I am very stressed about that right now because I don't know what it's gonna look like. I previous to owning this business and being an entrepreneur with my husband is I had a sturdy job. I had a steady income. I didn't have to worry about that. Like it was just you know, just do a good job, but I clocked in and I clocked out. Mm. Being an entrepreneur has changed that narrative quite a bit for me because it's our job to run a successful business, to put food on the table for our family. And that brings a lot of stress. With Monty, not so much. With the second one, a little bit. Because one of our visions in growing a family was we wanted to be really present parents. And so starting this business allowed us to do that. So we kind of split up our days where, let's say, Ed will work 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then we'll switch roles. So I'll be the mom 5 to 10. Then I'll come in and work from 10 to 2. So we really split up our days about like, you'll work half a day and then you'll parent the rest of the day. It doesn't always work out as perfectly as that. But that's kind of the idea behind it. With two kids, we're still trying to figure out what that's going to look like because Monty isn't in daycare from 9 to 5, which a lot of parents will put their kids in because they have no choice but to go to work. That's that's mm. a non-negotiable. They have to We didn't do it because we wanted to raise him. And he's also a COVID baby, so he wasn't in daycare. (laughs) Mm. That wasn't even an option when COVID started, but he'll go to daycare starting in September, but that's only two hours a day, five days a week. So I haven't figured it out, to be honest. It's something that we're still both trying to uh, navigate through as do we get a nanny? Do we ask my mom for more support? Because I do run out of time to do a lot of the work. And that's where most of the stress right now comes from is there isn't enough time in the day. So how do I get all of this work in without working till 11 o'clock at night? Then being up like last night, we were up four times with Monty. he just didn't have a good night and you're exhausted when you wake up. So I wish I had words of wisdom right now, but I don't. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to come up with a plan throughout this pregnancy. I've still got about another four months, four and a half months, figure it out. But like I said earlier, we'll probably just figure it out as the baby comes, and mm. who knows what'll happen. It'll just be more chaos, which I will embrace. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was gonna say, I have a feeling. Or
1: you can embrace it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I have a feeling you guys have gotta figure it out one way or another for sure. And on that note, obviously you are both obviously very well versed in health and fitness, the both of you as parents. So how are you looking to bring up a family with? being conscious of health and fitness, but also as you've kind of alluded to without, you know, the unsolicited advice of others saying, you know, he's going to have problems if he doesn't have X, Y, or Z. Like, what's your approach to nutrition with Monty? I know you mentioned you are getting him involved as much as possible, but when it comes to having certain foods, when it comes to exercise, do you kind of have a a bit of a plan of how you're going to integrate that so that it's kind of normal versus something they feel like they have to do because their parents do it?
1: Well, we have one cardinal rule, which is we don't talk about work at the table. I don't, and Ed doesn't want to expose that type of conversation to Monty where we're talking about calories or weight or any of that. So we don't talk about that in front of him. We have a pretty strict rule where we don't talk about work in front of our son. But for us, it's always going to be about education, no different than it is with your clients. The more you can teach them about it, the more that they're going to understand. But he's a kid. So of course he's going to have ice cream. But again, there's a time and a place for that. It's not going to be every day for a really cool special occasion. If you won your soccer game, like, It's a time and place for everything, but I think education will always come around at the end of the day. It's not about not allowing him to have foods because we don't believe that as a company either. Every food is allowed, but at what point do you incorporate those foods in when it's more appropriate? So the same thing, no different than with him. I just, with him, it's again, like I want to fuel his body because he doesn't have a choice in that right now. And he doesn't know what to do. And kids, the obesity rates and the diabetes rates these days in toddlers is increasing he, like tremendously, like sugary breakfasts, like all of that stuff. Like I'll make sure that he loves what he eats, but that again, it's still a nutrient dense meal. We have dessert every night. Sometimes dessert is fruits, sometimes it's a homemade cookie that mom made or If we're at grandma and grandpa's house on Sunday, it's probably a pie. Like, again, it's balance. It's just, I think it's just, he's going to learn from how he sees his parents approach it.
0: For sure. And has he been fussy with food at any points or has he been pretty open to having whatever?
1: Uh, of course it's and yeah, he's a two-year-old. So he can definitely be fussy. It's it's a visual thing for him, it's not a taste thing. If it just doesn't look <laughs> like something that he would enjoy. But we 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 didn't hold anything back. We started baby weaning at five months and I gave him pretty much everything, nothing too spicy, but all the flavors that there were out there. He's got his favorites and he has things he doesn't love, but like he eats fish. We cut it up. Like this kid loves rice bowls. If there's a mom out there who just can't get like their child to eat anything, I always tell our clients, like, do a big fried rice, throw a ton of veggies in there, chop up like the protein really small, maybe grate some like Parmesan cheese on there and they will eat that thing like crazy. And it's just a good way to make sure that he eats it all. He loves vegetables. He has a bit of an issue with protein right now.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's really good to hear because I remember, I think it was actually my mom who said it to me. She was like, you'll see when you have your kids, you just want them to eat. So if they're being really reluctant to eat, you'll almost give them anything that they'll consume. And I feel like a lot of parents will probably find themselves in that position. So how do you maintain your patience to find <laughs> something that you don't just like put cereal in front of them because you know you're going to eat uh, your yeah. or cookies?
1: I, I laugh because I refuse to cook three different meals, let alone two different meals. Whatever I'm cooking, this family's eating.
0: <laughs> maybe that's
1: maybe it's old school, but mom doesn't have time to cook two different meals and I'm not going to. So, but of course, like learning what he'll eat, we incorporate it in there, but we don't have the rule of you have to finish your plate. That's not a rule in our household. Like you don't have to finish all your, all the food on your plate, but we do encourage him to definitely finish certain parts of his plate. So again, I don't separate everything. Like I know there's those like kid plates that have like It'll be a happy face. And then like the parents will separate all their food. I didn't bother with kids stuff. I just gave him our normal cutlery and our normal plates. And so everything's always there, but like we'll encourage him to eat, like have a ton of your vegetables or if he wants dessert right away, it's like, yeah, I want you to eat to your full, but definitely make sure you eat some more vegetables and we'll wait till he does or he doesn't. And then when he's like, I'm done, I'm done we know he's done sometimes the bowls cleared sometimes he's barely touched it i'm not going to force him to eat it i can only encourage him to eat as much as possible he's not going to starve himself there's kids won't they're they're hungry beans they're active he will eat when he's hungry and then we'll we'll have dessert which is again whatever it will be but no i will not trade out his dinner.
0: I love that answer. That's a great answer. And on the last question I have for you on this note, you mentioned the cardinal rule of not speaking about work at the table. Do you have any other rules in which you're planning to implement or are you currently implementing at this moment?
1: I'm trying to think we don't really have any hard fast rules right now. I think we're to be quite honest, we're focusing more on just more like manners. Right now, we're kind of at that phase where it's like, you know, <laughs> say you're pleased send your thank yous. And we're really trying to get him to like say hello to people that walk by to him. Like that's to us right now, I think it's more about building character. For us, that's important because he's kind of in that stage where he's paying attention to it. But we we take him like I guess one of our not necessarily like a set rule, but it's just something that we do every day is we go for a family walk every day, every single day, rain or shine. We all get out for a family walk at the end of the workday. We always make sure that he does something physical outside. And like I just registered him for like five activities <laughs> next month. So for us, one of the best advice, pieces of advice that I ever got was from my dad. Cause I said, you know, like, how did you do it with four kids? Like, I like, I don't know what I'm going to do when he's a teenager. And he's like, the best thing that you can do for your kids is keep them busy, get them into sports, keep them out of trouble, like keep them busy. And so we do like we're very active together as a family. We have adventure days on Saturdays, like family, family time that's outside of this household is really important to us. And we do it every day.
0: Mm, I love that. And I also just thought the flash thought that came to my mind was Monty packing the Whole Foods bags at when you were going to <laughs> <off. laughs> the <It does. laughs>
1: This kid is gonna be a heartbreaker. That's all I have to say. But again, we incorporate, we incorporate him into everything. Like I bring him everywhere with me. And I know that's intimidating for some parents because you're so nervous about their crazy temper tantrum that they're a hundred percent going to throw somewhere. Like, Mm-hmm. But I like my piece of advice is don't let that hold you back from taking him out and exploring with you. Like I take him grocery shopping all the time. It's not always the easiest thing because he doesn't always want to sit in the cart. So if he just wants to go up and run, I just you have to learn the patience to let him explore and be a kid and know that you're not going to get your grocery shopping done in five minutes. It might take you twenty minutes because there's just so many cool things for him to see. Like the grocery store is his favorite playground. He has like best friends. Like he's going to have a job probably. a whole <laughs> for him in ten years. But like we. We take him to all of that stuff and just let him explore and learn. And oh yeah, he definitely still packs the bags. Like he's a little celebrity at Whole Foods on Sunday morning at eight thirty a.m. in the morning.
0: I love that. It's so funny to watch. I really enjoy that. So, do you have any um, (laughs) closing messages for any of the moms listening or the future moms on the topic of motherhood, pregnancy, and health and fitness?
1: Oh god, where do you start? No, because I don't want to be that person that gives unsolicited advice. But anytime (laughs) anybody does ask me, like, what would you say, and it would be. Just drown out the noise when you do get that unsolicited advice. Do you know that you're not going to have it figured out and know that you are not the only mother who doesn't know what she's doing, but you're doing your best. It's okay to have really sad days, tough days, challenging days. But again, I think it all comes down to perspective and just trying to learn that patience with your kid, right? See, you'll try and see things a little bit differently and know that it's just you're creating this beautiful life for this. Tiny human being. And you, all you can do is hope that you're going to raise a really good human being, but take care of yourself too. It's really important. And I know it's really, really easy to put yourself last, to put that work out and say, I don't have time because I have to do business today, or I have to be mother, but carve out the time to do it because it will make you a better friend, a better sister, a better wife, and a better mother at the end of the day. You is still important. And it doesn't make you a selfish person or a selfish mother to want to actually carve out an hour four days a week to go for a walk, to see your friends, to go to the gym. It's important.
0: That's a beautiful closing message. And where can people find you if they want to keep up to date with all that you're doing with collective performance and follow the adventures of your family and Monty's Sunday morning bag <laughs> shop? <laughs>
1: You know, I'm just like, what is my Instagram handle? I don't even know. I think it's Samantha underscore Stoicamage.
0: Amazing. I'll put that all in the show notes. And the last question I have for you on a bit more of a broader perspective is what impact do you want to have on the health and wellness industry?
1: Oh, man. And then I want to change the narrative that you have to drill yourself into the ground to get a result. For me personally, aside from that is just teaching people how to build a sustainable habit and not necessarily... We want to stop... Thinking short term and start thinking long term, but I also want to teach people to think for themselves. We hear that you have to intermittent fast. We hear that you have to do ketosis. We hear that you shouldn't have fruit mixed together with carbohydrates. Like there's so many rules and myths and overload of information out there that it's really hard to kind of decipher what to do. So for me in our practice, my job is to come into it with an unbiased opinion, give them the education, give them the tools and guide them to making the decision that's right for them. Because what's right for them is not going to be necessarily what's right for me. And I just, Mm -hmm. as a coach, it's really frustrating to see people tell you that you have to be intuitive eating only. It's the only way to go. Intuitive eating is tough. That's a tough skill to learn and not everyone can learn it. So I think it's just really trying to teach them to carve the path that's best for them by giving them the proper tools.
0: I couldn't say much more on that, but I would just highly encourage anyone listening to uh, follow both Sam and Ed and keep up with what they're doing. But Sam, it's been a pleasure. I have a feeling that so many people are going to take away a lot of value from this. So I'm looking forward to it going live and I'm looking forward to sharing the wisdom. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being.